You are listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, part of the Tokyo Beat Podcast Network. Well, it all started once upon a time when this village of stupid blue-eyed boys decided to join hands together and follow this sweaty little pied piper named Adolf. Hello and welcome to SequelCast 2, a podcast looking at movies in a franchise one film at a time. This time around, uh, we're doing a one-off looking at a series we covered almost, you know, within the first two years of the show, I think. Uh, we're looking at the new Indiana Jones film, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, directed by James Mangold. came out 2023. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Bradley-Shergie. With me is Thrasher. I was shot by my own father. And Alex. You didn't win the war. Hitler lost it. Indy, I'd love to come with you, but I'm not, for convenience sake. Oh. A call for adventure. I'll be doing most of my acting sitting down. That's Yeah, that's that's true. It's like, uh, you know, like how Dom DeLuise did a lot of it uh, back in the day. But yeah, man, I mean, yeah, so this movie is a long time coming. Way back, you know, in, in uh, 2008, that uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out that was supposed to kick off a new trilogy. Where Shia LaBeouf's character would have had a, you know, kind of a bigger part in it. Indiana Jones would have still starred, but um, would have been Indiana Jones and, and Son having adventures. And then Shia LaBeouf, you know, I don't know. It's it, the deal with these Indiana Jones films. I think this one's the exception because George Lucas kind of sold all the Lucasfilm stuff. But originally, for them to do a new movie, uh, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, and Harrison Ford would have to agree on something. And that's <laughs> yeah, that, and that's difficult. Despite they've you know had had friendships and have worked on several movies uh, over the decades. And uh, Spielberg was supposed to direct this. Then COVID happened, and then uh, Spielberg said, oh, "I should do something more personal, like The Fablemans." And so he's just on here as a executive producer. Um, but George Lucas came to the premiere of this one and not to the premiere of Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker. So, really? Wow. Yep. So that I suppose that says something. But um, he knows what, they... what side the Force spreads his butter on, which, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Indiana Jones is you know Paramount, not Fox like Star Wars. So took some finagling, and we got another. It won't be until you know, way into next year, but they're doing a Beverly Hills Cop 4 on Netflix. That's a paradox. Oh, okay. cool. oh yeah. Anyhow, yeah. yeah, Dial of Destiny. I saw this in theaters. It had been out for a while. Um, I think Barbie came out the weekend I saw this in theaters, and there's a okay. lot of people dressed up like Barbie, which is kind of strange. But <laughs> the, the Indiana Jones, you know, not a lot of people in the theater. And I, I thought it would be kind of mixed going into it. I kind of felt more negative going out of it. And uh, this one, I think, it, kind of first impressions, it feels like you put Indiana Jones in a movie, but it doesn't feel like an Indiana Jones movie to me. Yeah. 
Well, you know, like the irony is that George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, and Lawrence Kasdan took all of like the fun and the magic and the, the, the you know, sense of adventure from, you know, uh, you know, repeating recurring serials and adventure films and Westerns and boiled them into, you know, this like rock and sock kick ass blockbuster. And now it's come full circle to the point where the series feels more like a serial than the preceding films do. Like this feels like a very programmed focus group movie that is just kind of like, you know, it, it, it feels like it's just gone back to the bad parts of what serials were instead of the good things. Mm. Well, they are playing a lot of the hits in this movie. Oh. Yes. And like, I mean, I, yeah. I mentioned that episode nine rise of Skywalker. It reminded me a bit of that in some ways. It's also like, let's do a movie about getting old. And, and to that, I say, you know, uh, James Mangold did a lot of these themes in the, uh, the Wolverine movie, Logan. Um, but also it's like, can you do that with a character that's not supposed to be fun? please. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you could set your watch to callbacks, cultural references and notable character actors. It's like count to five. Oh, Hey, look, there's a callback count to six. Hey, look, there's Toby Jones. He's this movie's Denholm Elliott. Right, um, uh, oh, look, a Beatles song. Hey, look, a vintage Levi poster. And some rumors <clears throat> came to pass about this that we'll talk about later that I think some of them seem accurate and now in more recent interviews, but I mean that the story was going to be much different for this. Originally, there was a lot of um, changes to try and the, the focus group testing, you know, didn't go that well consistently. And then when it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival, reviews were kind of middling. And then it was like maybe a whole month before it came out in theaters. And I think that kind of um, maybe had less people go than, than would have otherwise. But it's been a long, it's been, you know, nearly 20 years since uh oh that's not fair it's been like, like fifth no well close to 15 years maybe because crystal skull is 2008 but it's been quite a while regardless since uh, the last film um thrasher what are some kind of first impressions you have well like it's it it starts like it might as well be like a bond movie where we we begin yes. at the end of what probably should be an unrelated indie adventure except mm -hmm. the movie's MacGuffin is introduced in this world war ii uh, flashback where uh you know indy and this british archaeologist are trying to sneak uh trying to you know, sneak an artifact out of uh, nazi germany at the tail end of the war and i don't know like a lot of it like it is, it is exciting, and yet, and, and like the de aging on Harrison Ford is, it's really successful until an action set piece is involved, uh, and then you kind of start to see the holes in the special effect, and it does take some of the tension out of some of the, some of the things, because like it's not, it's not a stunt person swinging over a flaming pit, <laughs> it's a CGI puppet swinging over a CGI flaming pit. Yeah, um, or what? He's on like a train or something, and almost gets. I mean, it's the classic gag of he almost gets biffed by the the tunnel and has to duck his right. head. But like on it, his eyes don't really seem that concerned, or it has some of the issues that um, the Scorsese movie. Um, oh, what was that one called? The Irishman, thank you, had where where he's walking and it looks like a seventy something year old man walking. Yeah, instead with like of a thirty-five year old a, face, a, a stunt man. Yeah, with some of the stuff on the hill. I think you know some of the in still images it looked good in motion. It looks less good. I think it's it's you know it was was certainly very expensive to do. But I also think couldn't you have just put a little bit more makeup on Harrison Ford or maybe taken out some of the wrink a few wrinkles and and dyed his hair black and I think the audience would have gone with you. What well, gets me. What gets me too, though, is like the voice. He does not sound like thirty-five-year-old. That's right. Ford. He sounds like 
70 something year old Harrison Ford. And I'm like, well, you know, if we're doing all this de-aging and de, you know, this, all this formatting and de-aging and shit, why not just pitch, change the pitch of his voice? Like we we're, we're going this far, <laughs> you know what I mean? We might as well just, if we're not going to, you know, it's like, well, who it gives sound- a shit about the tone of the voice? Just go all the way in. It sounds like he's pitching, he is attempting to pitch his voice up himself. Like, yes, uh, which, mm-hmm. which I, in all honesty, it's it's okay. Uh, I would rather they not get into too much digital trickery because that might sound. You've already got an artificial face and an artificial body. <laughs> if it's an artificial voice on top of that, I think it would be a, a definitely a bridge too far. Well, like but a lot of those. Oh, go ahead. Oh, but something that I absolutely loved is it is that it tricks you into thinking that it's a different MacGuffin because it's a whole thing about the Spear of Destiny, yeah, which yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. uh, Indiana Jones and the Spear of Destiny. That's a title. Um, yeah. But uh, it turns out that it's a fake, which was great. Like, I, I love that thing where there's all this fighting over this relic, and then, well, it's a fake, but the Nazis have sunk too many resources into acquiring it, so they're just not going to tell anyone it's a fake. Um, and I I wish that had foreshadowed the actual MacGuffin being a fake later. It it doesn't, but it's a nice moment. I thought that was really effective. That's it was good. definitely I mean... clever, totally. Sorry, Matt, you go. Oh, sure. Uh, thanks. Um. So you have the as the bad guy Mads Mikkelsen, and they don't do a whole lot to de-age him in the past, and not that they, I think they really need to. He kind of are, always has this this face that's pretty, um, looks like it's sort of carved off of granite. Looks like it's someone that's you know he looks old even when he was young, just with how his yeah. face is. So I think they could have even done no de-aging on him, and, and no one would have really noticed. Um, and just like in um, Crystal Skull. They do the old, and partially because actors have have gotten older and died, right? They 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 do the old gimmick where, oh, there there is another long term friend that uh, Indiana Jones is working on these cases with, and instead of, like, wouldn't that have been cool in the prequel instead to see like Mac or something, have uh, Ray Winstone reprise his character, but in I, in this, I could see that. Although at the same time. Indy having like a friend everywhere that is a classic pulp storytelling technique and yes. it's in in, thi- in like in things like Indiana Jones and in things like James Bond I do not mind that it doesn't yeah. seem forced it seems natural you need a you need a cue you need a Felix Leiter mm-hmm. um, in yeah, this case Toby Jones think... plays plays Basil yeah who exactly is also a professor like Indiana Jones that part's a bit different and he um they try to make him look a bit younger too, but again, he's someone that kind of always looks older, so they don't have to do as much. But you're kind of getting a lot thrown at you. You mentioned uh, *Spear of Destiny*. This uh, after the uh, the uh, computer game *Fate of Atlantis*, *Spear of Destiny* was going to be the next one, but they decided not to yeah. do it because they couldn't sell it in Germany with all the Nazi imagery or not without a lot of censorship. So um, instead, that storyline became a basis for a four-issue comic from Dark Horse Comics. And, so um, the one thing in this this flashback opening yeah. that that I that I feel like I did not like is that you know a lot of a lot of Nazis get dispatched, including Mads Mikkelsen's character, and I do not know how he survived without oh. lasting injury. Mm. Right, he's got like barely visible scarring. I mean, he got fucking smoked by like a water pipe, like. Yeah. Yes, yes. And a train going at top speed through the Alps. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He he would have been, should have been killed, really, or if not really, yeah. uh, you know, big 
brain damage or something. His head would have looked like the fucking a watermelon in the Gallagher sphere, like <laughs> her sploosh. Now you're yeah, getting me thinking in Las Vegas, they have that big sphere theater. What if you did a Gallagher show in that? Oh, Lord. <laughs> with with the CG avatar Gallagher. Gallagher. Oh, or Gallagher 3D. too. This. Yes. 3D Gallagher. <laughs> Digi Gallagher. Cyber Gallagher. <laughs> Mecca Gallagher. That's, we get the award for the most Gallagher references in a podcast. I think, yeah, we should probably keep going. Um, are you? Are you sure we haven't beaten We Hate Movies? Because they really lay on their Gallagher references. Oh, I don't know. That's true. They <laughs> they do a lot. Um, but yeah, this uh, beginning adventure, it, it goes on quite a bit. It almost, it does feel a bit more cartoony with, oh, the, the what is it? The floor is going on the attic and, and the roof and we got to, you know, get off, get on the train, this and that. Motorcycle chasing. Motorcycle chasing. Yeah. Just like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh Indiana Jones is um, getting out of getting kidnapped in the beginning. Mm. And like, it goes on too long. You see everything. And again, it's like, like, like you said, they're just throwing it all at, you know, you got a motorcycle fight and it's like the stakes of every fight have to be the biggest. Like you have to crash into the tree to blow off the sidecar and fucking flip it over a rock, but jump off just in time. So the guy in it gets killed and ducks. So he shoots his partner instead of you. It's like every single interaction goes on a little too long and has to have everything go on. You know, Um, there's no like pauses for like ironic, you know, for irony. I'm thinking like, you know, fucking uh, river Phoenix in the train car last crusade. Um, And just like, in the the CG stuff, and I'm not being a fuddy-duddy, like, oh, computers, but, like, when they're fighting on the train and he holds Indy up against, like, the roof of it and it's, like, scraping on his jacket, I'm like, what was that for? <laughs> like, it's a lot of fucking, a lot of shit going on and it just doesn't look good. And it's not that exciting. It's just, like, just layering it on, laying it on too thick, I feel like. I think, too, you had... um the, the Nazis in Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade, and once again, the Nazis are the bad guys here. And at least, um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, you had the Russians, you had some sort of, you mentioned the greatest hits, uh, Thrasher, and that's exactly what they're doing here at the beginning, and in a way, it's going to say, like, hope you like excitement, because you're going to have your uh, sugar with your medicine at, right at the very beginning. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, to be almost too contrarian, it goes into, you know, most of the movie takes place in 1969. Indiana Jones is old and yelling at his uh, neighbors for playing the Beatles too loud. <laughs> for playing like Magical Mystery Tour. <laughs> yeah, he brings a bat with him. I'm like, is he going to wail on his fucking hippie neighbors for... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would have been a more interesting opening, right? Like, the, you see Hippie's doing a party, this old man breaks in, starts beating the shit out of him, and then you, and you reveal his face as Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> and then fucking now, Marion has to bail him out of county lockup. So something, <laughs> Again, I'm gonna, something I'm going to give this movie a lot of credit for, I really felt like I was in America in 1969 in these scenes. Just like... They really, really tried to recreate the New York of the period, like down to so, so many details to the point that when we see our first shot of old Indy, where he's just asleep on his recliner uh, in his underwear with the TV playing on the TV plays the commercial for H.R. Puffin stuff 
which <laughs> would not air its first episode for like I think like another month. Wow, damn! Like that yeah. is some detail. Yeah, yeah. They, they redressed uh, parts of um, Scotland or in, in Glasgow for um, to make it look like New York, and you know, of course, use computers to take out cell phone towers and, and things. And I, I, yeah, I think that the parade is for. Um, the moon, right? Uh, the moon landing is really that does starkly tell you when this takes place. And Indiana Jones has had a very, very long life. And you, you think he'd be retired as a professor by now, but it, it felt a, it reminded me a bit of some of the Lethal Weapon movies, or in every one, it's like they're throwing a party for the retirement. <laughs> they got to go back out of retirement for one last case. The the uh, and one thing that like, I love that he does not seem to know or care that America is celebrating the moon landing. That's right. But to, but to the point where I half expected him to mumble under his breath, I went to the moon. I didn't get a parade because I would totally <laughs> believe that an Indiana Jones this old had an adventure where he was on the moon for a brief period. Well, and Harrison Ford is um, he didn't really start becoming famous until he was like in his late 30s, early 40s. And he does the the talk show bit where he, he's always grumpy and he brings some of his um, grumpiness act to Indiana Jones in the beginning, who he seems at times, you know, grumpy, angry, kind of embarrassed. You can tell Harrison Ford likes doing more uh, character work with, with Indiana Jones. Um, the movie does address him getting older and they don't really do a lot of like metamusal gags or, or you know, jokes about him being old although how can you not reference that <clears throat> and, and yet just kind of like in the opening sequence there's i think too many new characters and things introduced too quickly and yeah you, you kind of want something a bit um like there's some interesting chasings of course you know that the nazis find that he's teaching and are trying to get him for more information about the dial and, and basil's dead and he has a goddaughter and uh, play, Helena, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and um, I have either of you seen Phoebe Waller-Bridge before? Because I feel like know, I must have, but I can't place it. Although I did I, like her as Helena Shaw. I like yeah. her in general. Yeah, I know uh -huh. she's big for that show Fleabag, right? Yes, yeah, Fleabag I've yeah. seen, which originally was a stage show and then made into a two two season um, show. And uh, she, anything I've seen her acting, she kind of plays the same part that sort of is a bit cheeky, breaks the fourth wall a bit. And and here they give her kind of a turn where you don't or, I mean, frankly, she's more like Han Solo or something, really, right? Yeah, totally. Oh, she was L she was the voice of L three three seven in the solo movie. That's true. Yep. Okay. And, uh, yeah. But I mean she's done a lot of writing too. She did some writing on the last uh, Daniel Craig James Bond, uh, There's No Time to Die and, and things like that. So um yeah, she's been around, I think, with the, the age difference. I'm glad they didn't try to make it a romance with Indy. Uh, yeah. Because totally. they could have. Um, well, but, this is a heartbroken... This is a broken man, Indy, yes. and it slowly unspools exactly how that happened. And I appreciate them letting that unspool rather than very early on just having her ask, oh, how's your wife and child? And then he just <laughs> rumbles through some exposition. Alex, hi, I'm Ray. How would you explain our show, No More Whoppers? Are you a nerd having trouble transitioning from your 20s to 30s to 40s and beyond? Age with us. 
not at us. Lordy Gray. Are you tired of the man keeping you down? If you see something, say something. Do you enjoy the family computer? Capsule computing. We got them all. No more whoppers. We outlived the queen. She said it couldn't be done. No, I'm fading. <laughs> Come back. I can't do this alone. Do you enjoy number munchers? And is numbers what you call p Then listen to No More Whoppers. Only on the Tokyo Beat Network. Yeah, and the way when Indiana Jones is getting chased here with him being dressed more in professor mode in an action sequence. Um, again, you kind of had this with him on the motorbike in, in Crystal Skull. It's doing greatest hits from like a movie that from just the last movie in the series. That wasn't it, a great hit. <laughs> that wasn't it. Right. But um, but we also looked and saw uh, just him in these clothes and him, his hair looking grayer and stuff. It reminded me more of him as Jack Ryan, I think. Being yeah. Kind of on the run, being shot at. uh I mean, yes, there's some like leaping from rooftops and things, but I think the action is maybe a little bit too grounded for Indiana Jones, not quite yeah. so ridiculous. I think that like we with the Jack Ryan films, like you totally buy that he's like, you know, got that like dad strength, you know, eh. whereas here it's like more yeah. granddad strength. Um, but I think I like Phoebe Waller-Bridge a lot. She's just incredibly charming, lights up the screen. And like I get like I'm totally buying the physical like action parts of it, too. Like I kind of get the vibe that you know she could fucking drive a pedicab and punch people in the face and stuff like that um the chase in new york though with a parade and everything so i'm a little confused so they're celebrating the moon landing but they had a parade queued up for that well oh no no the moon it's so it's not the moon i mean it is to celebrate the moon landing but it's law but it's like a, a about a month after the fact because so they landed yeah, they the, so the astronauts landed on the moon, came back, spent 21 days in quarantine as a precaution, mm. just in case there was microorganisms on the moon because we were hedging all bets at the time. Sure. So this is the parade where the astronauts got out of quarantine and are allowed to make public appearances. Yeah, because there's one scene when he's um well during the chase scene when he's on horseback and he blows by an open top limo, and I was like, are those supposed to be the astronauts? I think they are. I feel mm. like as they slow down on it just enough because he looks at him as he passes by from his POV. You cut to a close up of these guys that look like Buzz Aldrin and, you know, the other two astronauts. That's a good. I didn't even. <laughs> Neil Armstrong? Excuse yeah, Neil. me, sir. Yeah. I didn't even catch that. that. But yeah. It, they don't set up what it is. They kind of assume, you know, what Moon Day is. Like, I don't think I didn't even understand what it was until Thrasher just explained it. Um Really, and you, you know, they they go in the subway, they do this, they do that. I mean, I I do kind of like the scene where the the secretary is uh, killed, and Indiana Jones is like, oh shit, you know, now they're they're just killing off innocent civilians. They're not um, killing off, you know, other people trying to find trinkets or whatever. It's not the, the army going after the army or, or something like that. So it's uh, and and there's some I think some fun dialogue here you get uh, the Mads Mikkelsen character is on the phone and is trying to get the media to kind of cover stuff that's going on and some some cute wordplay and, and things but so many characters just uh, running around that you don't quite have your bearings and it's um, it's not in a not in a good way really so did you feel like so we got the bad guys right we got Mads Mikkelsen and you know his cronies and did you feel like the Mason character kind of stood out in a weird way? Uh, which Played character by, uh, is that? 
Seanette mm. Renee Wilson. Oh, oh, oh yes, the, I, the CIA agent. I liked her. I, I really liked her as this kind of, like, no-nonsense, yeah, no-nonsense CIA agent. And, like, to the point where, like, I figure, oh, well, obviously she and Indy and, ev- and all the good guys are going to team up at the end. No, she gets fucking murdered by the Nazis. Yeah, I was, like... That shocked me. Wrestling with that because it brings up a lot of these like really weird moral ethical things, you know. Because I'm thinking like, you know, she knows this guy's bad and that he was a Nazi mm-hmm. and everything else. And then you're think, considering, you know, the late '60s that she's a woman of color. And I'm like, so is she like really down with the cause for this guy to like fucking fuck with space time and shit? Or oh, no, no, she, no. Just... she 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 doesn't know he's planning to fuck with, with space time. Yeah, I I think I she's not his like handler at the CIA. I think like because remember like he has Mads Mikkelsen has sort of faked an operation to get the Antikytheria mechanism, which he yeah. Indy knows where it is. Uh. And so she's the one who figures out that this is actually a conspiracy and she tries to stop it and then you know, pays the ultimate price. Yeah, it was an interesting character beat. And for credibility's sake, that's a pretty good bit of screenplay writing right there. Like, that's some pretty good espionage shit, I will say, yeah. um, for credibility's sake. It was the character was so interesting at first because I'm like, OK, this is going to she's going to like, like you said, Thrasher, come back and really kind of be like this big asset for in the name of good, but yeah, she just gets dispatched. And I was like, Oh fuck me, man. Like it was an odd bit. Cause I felt like it was like pretty hard hitting for, you know, PG 13 fair, I guess I'm assuming it's PG 13, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, I was just a, reminded a bit of, um, you have Tandy Newton play a part in the solo, the Han Solo prequel movie. And again, it's like a, a female uh, person of color that just gets, knocked off like introduced just to get knocked off relatively quickly and it's sort of like having the cia angle and maybe a a will she or won't she and kind of stretching that through the movie i think would have given it a bit more intrigue well in the case and i think there's a there's a difference between these character deaths because in in solo uh, newton's death is completely unearned, poorly and poorly motivated, and has no yes. impact on the film whatsoever. Whereas Agent Mason, uh, it's it is a it is a shocking moment. It is a horrific moment. You really feel for her. Uh, it's it's in the middle of it's like it's their all it's the Nazis' only recourse because she's sussed them out and is about to you know rain justice upon them. Uh, and when she's shot. She's not just dead. She gets a death scene. She gets to act. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, but I think still it should have been a character. I think that should have been in there more. It does. She moves the story a little bit and just sort of seeing what the, the government might have wanted with the um, the big MacGuffin, which we haven't quite talked about. Well, you know, there's even a scene where she has Indiana Jones's like CIA file. Yes. One, why isn't that file not a five foot tall stack of papers? But two, like, <laughs> what does she think when she reads that? Like, holy grail, Ark of the Covenant, alien? Yeah, right. Sure. Holy and shit. I, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't that have been a perfect uh, tie-in book? Because this movie did not get a tie-in novel, unfortunately, like all the other ones did. But what if there is a tie-in book, the CIA files of Indiana Jones? Hell yeah. See, like that shit. Like, I'm thinking of like you know. Uh, Operation Paperclip, co-opting Nazi oh, scientists yeah. and the NASA program, CIA cover-ups. That shit is awesome right there. Like, 
I think there's like an espionage screenplay spinoff from this that would be probably yeah. pretty fucking righteous. Um, and with with all the historical details in this film, I am kind of shocked that they didn't just flat out say Project Paperclip. Mm. Yeah, good point. Totally. Think, uh, because, because like because because you do kind. I mean, admittedly, I know history, so I know why Mads Mikkelsen's character is working with the CIA and NASA. But at the same time, as a movie, since as far as we know, he was dead. Well, of course, he's not dead. He's a huge bankable star. Um, I I feel like the the film just for storytelling purposes should mention oh yeah yeah we fished him out of a river and and he got brought over under project paper yeah exactly like uh cia spent you know thousands of dollars reconstructing his fractured skull or something like that or i guess back then it'd be like the oss pre during world war ii but um uh mads mickelson is i like him i've always liked him i feel like if you need a bad guy and a scars guard is unavailable you call mads (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and and they don't give him as much to do in this as I wanted. He has an interesting moment of acting towards the end where he kind of feels conflicted and 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 feels like a failure, really, uh, which is a good moment, I think. But um, it feels like you could have just had anyone in this part. And uh, on the other hand, you know, the the Indiana Jones villains, except perhaps in Raiders of the Lost Ark, like aren't huge presences for me. Um, yeah. I mean, like maybe a bit in uh, or the bad guy in Temple of Doom, I thought was quite good, but just kind of shows up near the end. Um, and it just. I mean, there's stuff with the plot, I think we'll, we'll get to later when we get there with the science fiction kind of element. But um, well, I mean, there's there's globe. Tr- I mean, there's globetrotting adventures. Sala comes back. Sala's got grandkids. They should uh, give Sala more to do. Like, John. Yeah. Stabies did not do Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because he thought the script was really poor. And he was originally, both him and Sean Connery, supposed to show up at the end at the wedding of the movie. Oh, um, shit. But, but that didn't happen. And yeah, uh, he, Also, like, I, 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 like, for Sala, he's like this broke-ass cab driver in the city. Like, I thought, like, what the... I didn't know that was his destiny. You know what I mean? It just seems yeah, the, the, out of pace with the character. You've got this, like, globetrotting you know, dear friend of the famed Indiana Jones. And then you're just kind of this like fallen down motherfucker. Yeah, maybe well, he I... should be running a museum or something. I mean, in, yeah, in, I an, in an interview, they were asking John Reese davies about it. And he's like, well, I don't like that. He's the cab driver either, but I didn't write the script. That's not in my, <laughs> you know, he yeah, just and also kind of take it or leave it. There is a little negligible, but whatever. Yeah, I guess I guess his fortunes took a real nosedive at, at, at the end of World War II because there is that line about, oh, this is Indy, that great man who brought our family to America. And yeah. yet at the end, I was just cringing where they're having, um, I think it's with his, his grandchildren or something like, would you like ice cream? We have ice cream <laughs> across the market, across the yeah. street. I'd like belly, belly, vanilla, cherry myself. <laughs> oh, yes. And it's just this ridiculous kind of like nonsense and yes he sings the song from the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. it's, well, it's, a, it's a song from Gilbert and Sullivan well, okay, yeah right. sure but it's but, uh, a reference write it for the movie. but the, yeah, <laughs> yeah no Gilbert and <laughs> Sullivan took took the uh, the uh, Dial of Destiny went to present day to write a song for Indiana Jones <laughs> and then went back I am the very model of a major model destiny oh, but, so, uh, that should have been your opening yeah but it, <laughs> oh, it's just so I just don't know what they're they're doing with the story because there's not much urgency with finding it. Like the Holy well, Grail, the Lost Ark. People know what that is. 
and then in the other one, in the Temple of Doom, the Crystal Skull, it, it's more, uh, you know, cosmic, I guess, but it's still stuff that people have, have maybe, Shankar, uh, the Shankar stones, maybe not so much, but like the, the Crystal Skull is something a lot of people have heard of. And this thing, I mean, the Antikythera is a real object. Like, I've never heard of it before. And they set it up with the, the hokey way of him talking about it in a classroom <laughs> at the beginning. I mean, Wes Craven did that same shit in Nightmare in Elm Street, where it's like, <laughs> did you know when people have dreams, it can seem like real life. Do, do, do. It's such well, a ham-fisted way to introduce what this thing is. And <laughs> Well, it, it is weird because, like, you know, you can, like the Ark, like the Ark of the Covenant, you can believe that was real, or you can believe that that's just part of a religion's, you know, traditional lore. Uh, but yes. the Antikythera mechanism, it's a real thing that is in a real museum that has been studied by real people. And there is, like, early on in the movie, there's, like, a lot of, like, tension between, like, magic and science to the point where you're like, no, no, you you prove it, you reproduce it, that's what makes it science. And that thread of, like, what is science is kind of lost as the movie goes on, but it does really does create a, a different tone that it's a real object that you can interact with, but they just kind of, and, and, and the object itself, it funnily enough does not have supernatural properties, but hmm. the way the, the big, the big reveal is that they discover that the Antikythera mechanism, it is a, it, it is a like calculator that lets you calculate the appearance of natural wormholes that connect different points in space and time. Yeah, I feel like the um, like explanation is that like you don't need like a fucking berium or antimatter or some shit to make it work. I feel like the connotation is that it works because Archimedes is really really smart. Yeah, he figured out about he figured out wormholes and figured out how to predict when they were going to manifest. He, he made a cool looking compass, rubbed a scent all over it. Bing bang boom, <laughs> we can travel in time. <laughs> and there's some fun stuff with Archimedes' tomb. Uh, there's a bridge that breaks and gets repaired. But actually, so this is this is one of the things though, and and I can only assume this was something that maybe happened due to um, due to like f focus testing. But the whole the whole big thing. Uh, is that you know when when Indy and the professor fall jump off the the jump off the exploding bridge into the river the bridge like oh we are empty handed and Indy's like who says we're empty handed and Indy has the their half of the mechanism but then from that point on you know there's the whole thing where the daughter is like oh no well like the obviously it was lost in the river we can go back to the river and find it and Indy's like yeah it's lost it's going to be lost forever don't try to look for it only to reveal that Indy has had it hidden in in the in the museum this the whole time. But just past the halfway point of the movie, we get a flashback to like Indy's last interaction with the professor before the like when the Antikythera mechanism was driving him mad. And the professor had the half the whole time <laughs> in the house with his daughter who thinks it's missing after this. And she even sees Indy carrying it out of their home and promising to destroy it. Why does she think it's missing? Yeah. When you say it out loud, it sounds so much more stupid. Um, yeah. She also, saw it. Right. And the, Multiple like, they, times. they set that up too. He's like, you want to get that thing that drove your father mad. And then we get to see Toby Jones going mad. Um, and yeah, that whole scene seems added on. Oh, super duper. And also, um, I was thinking maybe they're going to build towards a thing where, like, you know, the great, like, trade-off is that you can have this wonderful device, but it slowly makes you insane or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It just 
it just basically feels like like Toby Jones went crazy because he's just a pussy. I don't know. <laughs> so like, you, you know what set piece I like? Because like to find the other half of the machine, they have to find like a clue in like the wreck of uh, the ship. Might as well just call it the ship of Theseus. Thing. <laughs> And uh, so who do they go? Indy's other friend, Antonio Banderas. And I got to say, I love Antonio Banderas showing up and playing weird old guys. Every time he does that, I love it. It's so great. The energy is on point when he's on screen. He looks like a character out of a Tintin book. Yeah. Um, And he, I like that they make him look old, unlike in some of the other movies, which is cool that he's been doing. Um, unlike, you know, in Expendables 3, where he's kind of acting like an excitable kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yet, Indiana Jones, I mean, these these scenes where he's just underwater, it, it's part of it's like just filming underwater. You're trying to achieve that effect, but it looks so murky. I couldn't, maybe the theater I, I saw this in was like underlit or something, but like I could barely make out what was going on. Well, and I, I don't the... think it was really having a lot. I mean, yes. Oh, instead of snakes, there's eels. And but nothing I, really comes of that. <laughs> not, yeah, not, nothing really comes of that. And I don't. And this whole sequence, I think, was other than a speech where Indiana Jones reveals what happened with his son. I think it felt like you could have chopped this out and not really lost a whole lot. I I honestly I rather liked it. I used to be a scuba diver and I've I've and this is half some of the most realistic scuba diving I've ever seen depicted on film and half absolute movie magic bullshit. Uh, But oddly enough, those two great tastes tasted great together for me. Like, yeah, it gets murky that far down. Um, And I like that they didn't. So I like that they didn't over light the bottom of the ocean. Um, The eels acted unrealistically, but it was still kind of fun. Uh, the, The one thing that like I, it's, I believe we had figured out scuba tanks by that point, so I don't know why they were relying on hoses pumping air. Yeah, because it's more uh, dramatic. <laughs> into their, I, I, yeah, because it is more dramatic because they're wearing regulators. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you have tanks for that. Yeah. Um, all those like janky whole like thing that he's doing, you know, is that like he's like this is a ragtag operation, you know, off the coast of Greece. <laughs> And, you know, but it, like, I kind of, I kind of like that. And like, you know, the, the Nazis come and invade the boat while they're, uh, while they're, uh, you know, underwater, uh, there's, you know, some back and forth. And in the end, Indy and his allies escape with, with the MacGuffin. And we find out that when, uh, Helena was translating the tablet that they pulled out, she was giving false information to the Nazis and right. you th- and the Nazis don't even go the wrong, go the wrong direction. They just follow Indy's boat, which is very smart for villain stuff but then there's kind of the reveal that the tablet is actually made out of wax and you melt the wax and the real tablet leading you to the real tomb is on the inside but we finally as this goes on we finally find out what um mads mickelson's master plan is is that the the with the with the complete antikythera mechanism he'll be able to predict the manifestation of a wormhole that will take him back in time to the time and place of Germany uh, invading Poland, and his plan is to assassinate Adolf Hitler, and I guess replace him with himself so that Germany's tyrant will be more level-headed and logical, and thereby, in the long run, the Nazi party will win the war, which is pretty decent as far as evil plans go, except 
what is he going to do after killing Hitler? Say, don't worry, I am from <laughs> Ein Future. Like, right. how is he not going to um, get murdered by the rest of the Nazi party? But, I mean... I, There's a whole lot of I, A to this, D with nothing. Sure. Right. Yeah, but, I mean, this moment, I um think I really felt, you know, kind of excited and, and engaged in the movie for the first time since the beginning of it. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe... This could be something, and it turns out they had versions of the script allegedly written where the end, he kind of goes back in time to where the opening sequence of the film was, and old indie meets young indie. I am shocked that that didn't happen, frankly. I thought that's where they were going to end up going. I think thematically that would have worked better and been more more satisfying than, I mean, yes, they, they lecture about Greece, but then it's all the stuff with Greece, and he gets to see what I think Archimedes and, and stuff. I mean, that really feels like something out of the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which the, the TV show has some good episodes, but it really kind of took me out of it. Like, let's have uh, Indiana Jones meet every famous person ever. And um, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah, exactly. He's like a Forrest Gump in, in that respect. And uh, it, it I... is the theme that he wants to stay in the past. I thought, oh, this is kind of daring. This makes sense. This is moving. I kind of wish he would have stayed. And he is to, about to die. To, yeah, yeah, he yeah. would have stayed in the past to die in Archimedes' arms or something. I'm like, that would have been pretty damn different, man. Yeah. But there's like, when we get to the thing and, you know, um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is doing the whole explanation thing. It was probably, I think, the most annoying moment of exposition because somebody says a thing and then someone else finishes the sentence. And then as they're finishing the sentence, the other yes. person tells you what you're going to say. And then we're going to go to the Museum of Natural History, where they have Udamanis. And Udamanis is murderers. And as well, lettuce is a tomato. Yeah, it's just like, stop well, she's out. stalling for time, though. Right, but it's just like, they just do this back and forth over and over and over. It's just bleh. And like, we know these movies are going to have scenes where people are speeding away and explaining things loudly a lot. And yes. it's just like, oh, just fucking get the dynamite and go already. Um... And then, so, like, we've got the super-duper Nazi evil guy, fucking Lars von Trier and his married band of Nazis um, doing their thing. And then, like, I'm like, so wait, he just had this, like, Nazi dive bomber, like, in a storage locker. Did he have, like, a custom tailor make, like, Nazi uniforms for all his little buddies? In all uh, honesty, yes. He's got, I honestly suspect this is something he's been planning for for a while, and so he oh. had that bomber made. Right. Like, I don't think that's a real Nazi bomber. I think that's a mostly modern aircraft that he had He's painted up in Nazi regalia. <laughs> I, like, I'm fine with him having all this equipment because he's clearly been planning this for a while. Like, since World War II ended, frankly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they, I, I loved all the Greek stuff. Like, we get to see we get to see all the, the Archimedes gadgets that Indy was talking about in the lecture. Although we never see the reflectors actually used. I thought that was... A disappointment. I wanted to see those reflectors actually like set a trireme on fire or something. Yeah. Well, talk about and, like, like you know, runtime too, though. Like all the stuff when um when they're in not Marrakesh, um, I forget the name of the country, but like where um fucking Helena's like ex fiance comes back. Oh yeah. To get <laughs> revenge for his mafia boss father. Yeah, she owes mm -hmm. money. Like the fucking mafia out there, and they were engaged, and she's got her short round, which is what's his name? Fucking Zippy the kid, um, Teddy. But, 
that Teddy, like, that was so for, I mean, the actor, Ethan Isidore is, is fine, but yeah. like, it's just, you don't need a really extra character in there and there's so little done with him. I don't, I didn't mind his inclusion. Like, and, and, you know, he does like his, he does pay off cause he's the one who flies the rescue plane to get Indy and, and, and Helena out of the past. Cause he's obsessed with airplanes. Yeah. And like, they set that up cause he's like doing like this mock airplane at like the tavern and. I'm like, yeah, and he's like quizzing like actual pilots who were there about how different parts of the plane work. Yeah, it was just kind of like it just felt like there's the Indiana Jones checklist, and they're like, okay, we have to have like the adorable sidekick, we have to have like the you know non-sexualized female lead, we have to have the fucking callback to the old one with John Reese Davies, we have to have the you know fucking the effet European scientist friend Toby Jones check. It's just very formulaic and. I'm okay with that, but it's just, there's a lot of it, and it takes some really big swings that I think for the most part work, but sometimes just is a little kind of goofy. Yeah, but I, I, I like the stuff from the best. I like, I like in making Archimedes. I like that the, they don't make the past look too fantastic. Like, yeah. it looks like you're watching a real war with just people with bronze age swords or iron age swords just hacking at each other yeah like it looked like um the hbo series rome which i thought was a really good example of, like doing the past without overdoing the past i guess and with with blood like there's the, the final act there's a uh, there's a surprising amount of blood for an american movie and i'm glad it was there this is violence with real consequences exactly yeah and there is kind of a funny line where he's like <laughs> She's like, we scared away the Roman army. I think we've done enough. Yeah, and I do I do like that they that like she seems to know how science fiction works, that if you stay in the past too long, you'll end up changing it. And so like I did like that. That was an unsurprising beat. I kind of thought we were gonna get Indy's death scene, but then Helena just punches him unconscious, and then he <laughs> like wakes up like a week later in his apartment, all patched up. They escaped. We didn't have to see them fly back through the wormhole, wondering if they were gonna get through in time. And the ending is kind of touching because we see, you know, a lot of Indy's friends show up one by one. But then in the end, like Marion shows up who the story we're given is that when that Mutt enlisted in the army during Vietnam to piss Indy off, died in died overseas and the grief just destroyed the grief they both shared just destroyed their marriage. But now time has given them a chance to heal. And now they're kind of like coming back into each other's lives. And I thought that was really touching seeing yeah. Indy and Marion kind of come back together. And then it leads to our last shot in the movie. Rather than setting up another adventure, we see Indy's hat on a clothesline outside of his apartment window. And as we iris out, Harrison Ford grabs it. You know she asked him to put it on before they took a tumble between the sheets. <laughs> yes. Like, right. I really feel like that is implying fucking rather than implying there's going to be another adventure. Adventure. Yeah, and it's uh, the greatest adventure is in the bedroom. No, but it's oh. it's gonna do it right. It's back and be found a fucking pearl in the ice cream or something. Uh, God, <laughs> time for another adventure, Indy. Yes, I broke but... I broke my hip. We have yeah. some metamucil. No, I don't know. Like it, but it's it's so pandering with Marion showing up at the end, and the the thing with her and with Mutt is, I think that would have been. I mean, that would have been a cool intro to the movie, right? Seeing Mutt get killed. I don't know. Like, 
bleeding out in fucking, you know, the Quiling province of Vietnam or something. But I mean, it, it would have been better, I think, just not to address it at all. Like, I, it's like yeah. you have one dramatic scene, but it doesn't change a whole lot with this this movie. It sort of, you know, explains why Marion isn't there. But um, at one point, you know, there were versions of this movie supposedly being developed where Marion and Short Round would have been the main people going with Indiana mm-hmm. Jones and his adventure, where it would have been even more of a greatest hits. Oh, yeah. Um, there, there's some version where. Uh, this one I don't believe as much, but they said uh, Helena Shaw would have become the next Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. Well, I, you know, that, the, I, I could like, almost believe them trying to set that up because the franchise must continue. But frankly, course, yes. do you think anyone's interested in an Indiana Jones movie that Indiana Jones is not in? Right. I mean, I'd be into it, but I'm fucking weird. So, you know, um, I we will get another Indiana Jones thing, I think. It oh, might sure. be a cartoon, it might be their stuff in development, but I, Harrison Ford says no one else will play Indiana Jones while he's alive. Um, but they already did Young Indiana Jones, so I can see them doing something else like that. But I mean, where else? This movie seems a, a pretty big kind of stamp, like the end, and I it was a lot of waiting, and this isn't what I wanted. It's not bad, it's just okay. But because it's the last one, this one especially stings for me. Like the two franchises I liked the most as a kid were Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones. And, you, you know, you're essentially watching them being kind of like uh, mined to death. Seeing how much juice can we get out of that orange? Oh, for real, though. Uh, I, I definitely agree. And yet I like the juice we got out of this one. I okay. I enjoyed this movie. I am going to give it I'm going to give it a sequel. Yes, of course. Yes, it is inessential. But I was this movie is like a little over two and a half hours long. I was never bored. I was that, engaged mm-hmm. the whole time. And that is an achievement. That is very, very true. I think like like you're saying, Matt, there's. Uh, there's so much going on and like what the things that hold me back the most are like, you know, the fucking callbacks and the cameos and the references. Um, you know, some of them work, some of them are necessary. Some of them are just completely entirely unneeded at all. Um, but like I was, this is my second time through, um, because I was kind of half-assedly watching it the first time. Cause, um, we were talking about doing this in the summer and, then this time through, I, I, again, I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, preview it. And then I was like, I watched the whole damn thing because I woke up really early. Um, yeah, th- this is such a close no, because I'm kind of like, there's just so many, like I said, just kind of paint by numbers, checking off the boxes, yabbity bobbity. And I like, you know, we, we have the, we have the core three. And then I talked myself into, con- talked myself into liking the crystal skull more than I should have. And I don't know if I'm doing that again with this one, but I, it's enough to, for me to give it a, a, a limping sequel, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, for me, I'd say sequel, no. Um, what about uh, Thrasher? What do you think? A uh, sequel, yes. I don't think we're I don't think we're going to get another sequel with this cast if we get a sequel at all. But <laughs> I overall, I enjoyed this film. I think it is worth a watch. 20 minutes shorter, less de-aging and less CG. <laughs> I think it would be like a good movie. Oh yeah, yeah we, you can see the strings, you can see the holes, but it's still mm-hmm. a, it's a hell of a ride. 
Yeah. We it didn't even talk about like the whole yeah. scene in India with the tuk-tuk. Oh yeah. Like, okay. So one <laughs> annoying gripe, this one really pissed me off though, was the car chase and they get wedged in the alleyway. And that's too narrow. I'm like, we did that with the boats. We yeah. also did that in the Simpsons. In yeah. And like, a bunch of other things too. It's a good thing this alley got jet, got got gradually more narrow. <laughs> yeah, that that um that whole chase felt so video gamey to me because like that little cab they're driving like turns perfectly. It's got the turn radius of like a fucking stunt car. Like <laughs> it's just like it's like oh we're going down another staircase. Oh another quarter. Oh another quarter. Oh more Nazis. Um, yeah, that was a, kind of annoying. Oh, we got the Nazis and the jaded ex-fiance who's out to collect her head, apparently, because he didn't take their breakup too well, I guess. Hmm. Right, right. Just one of those things. You never... Uh... Yeah, I was kind of hoping for something else with this movie. wasn't, which I think says more about me than the movie in some ways, but it's uh, Indiana Jones. I have a special place in my heart, and I don't know. Like, it... I think they waited too long, really. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. To, to do one. And would people would have wanted to see Mutt Williams? I don't know. Like, would people... The, the yeah. time travel thing might have been inevitable, but that is kind of... It's a big pill to swallow. And when, that being said, there is supernatural stuff in all the other movies, right? You have a knight that has lived for hundreds of years. How is time traveling any stranger? Right, right. And, like, I think this is, like... A, a few years too late and what happened is that I think it took all of the lessons from the Star Wars movies that have come out and legacy sequels and kind of like taken some of the bad aspects of like legacy sequels even though this isn't technically a legacy sequel though it feels like one um, and I think what's missing honestly I think is, is Spielberg you kind of need that magic I think James Mangold is a great director um I think, you know, uh, I'm not crazy about all the MCU, but I, I really like Logan. I think that's a strong movie. Copland, kicks Copland, ass. Copland, yeah. Uh, 310 Yuma remake was fucking rad. You know, uh, your, your Star Wars comment just has me thinking, somehow, Belloc returned. <laughs> mm, <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like, wouldn't it be great if the dial was a puzzle box? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. It's, I don't know, man. Yeah, so that's Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny. Um, as far as what you're watching, <laughs> I was uh, watching a a few episodes of the Indiana Jones Chronicles because I was getting to the Indiana Jones mood. I hadn't seen him in a while, and I was watching some of the stuff where, again, Indy is in uh, the war, or World War One, I, I guess, right? And um, it's it's pretty neat. I mean, there's some there's some pacing stuff. There's it's certainly a bit on the nose with him meeting all these different famous people that I saw, like the one where he goes to Ireland, um, where he has to work to save money before hitching a, a a boat or something to to Belgium, become part of the Belgian army. Um, why he just doesn't sign up for the American army, I'm not quite sure, but. It is uh, some some cool stuff in there, and uh, Sean Patrick Flannery makes a good young indie. It's just that I think the episodes are Indiana Jones. It's like played by the really little kid, just 
it makes it harder for that character to do a whole lot without it seeming extremely cheesy. Yeah, I've, I haven't watched um, the series like since it was popular, since like at the time around it came out, I was really young. Do you all remember there, I think, maybe I'm misremembering, but there was an episode where it was like a World War One flashback? Yeah, there's some of those. I mean, they're yeah. all flashbacks. Well, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, I remember one where like a guy's like choking out and like, because um, he doesn't have a gas mask, and it was like pretty intense. Yep, there's some... Um... There's some of those. There's uh, oh, one where he meets Dracula or something like that. Like it gets pretty strange. <laughs> nice. Towards the end, he's like gets to meet Orson Welles and things like that, or or John Ford. Like it's just bizarre. I don't know what, but I mean, it's it's got a lot of press when that show first came out, and then it just didn't do as well as as people wanted to. And yet, I think George Lucas kind of willed willed it into existence for longer than it. Um, would have been otherwise. Uh, so who knows? But yeah, it's an interesting series. It's on Disney Plus. Um, kind of give it time, I guess. They they kind of read when it first was on the air. They had like an old Indiana Jones played by a different actor with an eye patch who was talking to as wraparound stories, and they kind of took those out. And the the episodes are now in kind of chronological order. Um. Yeah, I think it was only in the premiere that it was actually Harrison Ford. Uh, it was later. He was for like Sweeps Week. He's um, and that the Harrison Ford stuff they didn't cut out, which is weird. But where where Indiana Jones plays a saxophone, which causes an avalanche to uh, fall on some bad guys. So. We still need. We, we still have to see the adventure where he uh, loses that eye. Yeah, I kind of thought this would happen in this movie. That'd be kind of a cool. <laughs> I'm just Maybe big... he like he he kind of squints his eye to look through a tiny hole, and then a spear goes through, and, <laughs> and Christopher Lambert was... comes back as a Nazi. He oh, was drinking a yeah. mai tai, and got poked by the parasol. Indiana, do you ever think about a Reich of a thousand years? I just came for a mai tai. I don't know what happened to my eye. I hope it's not a bow tie. I'm Christopher Lambert. Hello. Yeah, he's uh, he's still alive, isn't he? Yes, I am alive and well. I oh, you're right here. Yeah. Yes. So it's, right. is it is it true you're gonna do a cameo in the the Highlander remake they've been trying to do? I was actually slated to direct that, but too many kids were rubbing my forehead for good luck, calling it a five head. Hey, okay, so um, <clears throat> he, he's not gonna cross over with uh, Lord Greystoke. He was actually gonna go into the hood and have a team off with Leprechaun. Okay, Highlander meets Leprechaun. That that works. And uh, Leplander. Leplander. Okay, uh, I see. The Leprechaun has the sword. I see. He, also, he, uh, Mona yeah. Lisa. Okay, Mona Lisa. Good. Um, da Vinci Code. All kinds of influences there. Oh yeah. Would you do another Mortal Kombat movie? We have to make up for that one from 2021. So yes, Raiden will be back. Huh? The school, huh? thousand testicles. I see. Yeah, there's uh, as the graphics increase in the game, so do the testicles, and then that should be represented on cinema. So, pretty I good. Eat a bunch of butterflies to grow wings. Hmm. I see <laughs> you. Uh, well, you always wore a flapper. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> wow, Christopher Lambert, what a nice guy. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to get him. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. hard nerd good yeah. good late link yeah. it um it's always the best ones yeah uh, uh alex what's something you've been watching what have I been watching? No, 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 no. I actually have to think about this. That's bad news. Um, <clears throat> I watched the latest Alexander Payne film, The Holdovers. Oh, yeah, that came on uh, home video pretty quickly, or at least in streaming. Yeah. And how was it with the it, Giamatti, right? Yeah, I love, love, love this movie. It's um, it, it's like a, it's, it feels like a new holiday classic. Um, do you know the premise? Uh, he's a professor, but other than that, no. Yeah, he's a he's a teacher at um a uh, boarding prep school, and he's a very curmudgeonly fucking. No, everyone hates him. He's a hard ass. He grades tough. Doesn't give second chances, you know. Um, and he gets tasked with um kind of babysitting the holdovers, the kids who can't go home for the holidays, you know. And uh, you know, strikes up an unlikely alliance with the uh, you know other lingering staff members and student. And um, it's it's really good movie. Good emotional stuff. Great drama. Uh, very good sense of humor. It hits all the right notes. Great movie. Great. Uh, and um, Thrasher, what's something you've been watching? Uh, so I I watched something kind of special. Uh, so when we went to Yamakon in uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, we decided to do some like local touristy stuff uh, afterwards because we stayed a few extra days. Uh, I saw the Pirate Voyage Dinner Theater stage show. Ooh. Oh, so you, you eat on a pirate ship, or what is that? Well, what you eat that? in sort of like an arena, but it's all like pirate-themed, uh, and there's this whole like sort of like there's essentially like a big pool in the middle with like replicas of pirate ships of two pirate ships on one side and this kind of Island in the middle that has all this rigging that's moved in and out for, to do like different like stunts and acrobatics. And it's one of it's, it's apparently like it's, it's one of like Dolly Parton's uh, like kind of ventures down there. She apparently owns the place. I see. So let's see the, um, did you go to Dollywood while you were in Pigeon Forge? No, we that was the original plan, but we ended up having to leave early, so we didn't have time. But the the Pirate State Show, the the food, the food was kind of aside from the vegetable soup, the food was kind of uninspired, and like you're kind of rushed through the eating portion to get to the dessert portion while the show's still going mm-hmm. on. So there's like there comes a point where there's just too much to to focus on. But that being said, the show itself was like was very fun. There was some great acrobatics, uh the great seal act. Uh there's a, there's a there's enough of a narrative. There's this this animatronic Davy Jones that rises up out of the pool to deliver to deliver uh-huh. a challenge to the pirates and I, I got to say that that Davy Jones l- looking at it is like you can you can just hear the designers saying how close to Disney's Davy Jones can we make it before Disney sues us? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, right. Yeah. So there's some stuff that's like lifted completely from that Davy Jones, like the crab claw arm and then some stuff that is so wildly different. You know, it's there to make sure that there's no like like copyright things. But like overall it it was a it was a really entertaining evening. I it, I have not seen like a live like stunt show type thing in a long time, and I yeah. was I was glad I saw this one. So what was the dessert like? Ice cream scoops and a pirate ship or something? Was it? No, it was, was like it, it was this like oh. apple fritter. <laughs> so they're rushing you for an apple fritter. That's not exciting. And it, and it wasn't a bad apple fritter. Although at that point in the show, I just like 
I would rather watch the show than worry about eating. So I just took a bite or two and just watched the rest of the show. Nice. Yeah. There's a really fun mermaid bit that I really oh. enjoy. Okay. So then was it pretty crowded? Yeah, it was packed. Mm, okay. It, it was packed, but it didn't feel crowded. Like nobody was like jostling anybody for room or anything. It was decent. It was very good use of the space. Well, got it. Got it. So nice. Great. Um, do we have a scene for this movie? You know, I, I forgot to look one up, so <laughs> I can look uh, one up now if you want. One. Yeah, if you can look up one real quick. If if uh, if there's nothing, that's all right as well. I'll stall for time. Bam, I'm Indiana. I got my head stuck in a chair. <laughs> and the dial of hoo-ah! Hoo-ah! Great. Uh, Harry, you're on your own this one, because my leg's stuck in a bear trap. In a bear trap? Hmm. What is that? There's that Christopher Walken thing. I think he said it when he was on SNL or something with the writing staff. I got my head stuck in a chair. He's like, bears are funny. Bear suits as well. (laughs) Funny. I got my head stuck in a honeypot. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and I have found a scene. Okay. With Teddy and Hannah and Indy? Yes. Um, I'll take Indy, I guess. I, I'll do Helena. And I'll be right brother? Wait, then you'll okay. be Teddy. <laughs> or, or, or the left brother? Yeah. Don't okay. try to weasel out of this. Yes, yes. I mean, th- this one was really a dumb uh, exposition dump about uh, history well, and the, things. Let's let our listeners judge. Oh, okay, fair enough. And uh, they're uh, all right, go go ahead. Yeah, th- and this is this is when they've damaged their vehicle in Morocco, and they're working on yes. repairing it. Yep. Did you know the Wright brothers? What? The Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur. They invented the airplane, and they lived in Indiana. Wilbur was born in Indiana. I'm not from Indiana, Teddy. And the Wright brothers were born during the Civil War. Oh, I thought you made. I th- oh, I thought maybe you went to school with them. Oh, come on, Indy, that's funny. Funny? I'm stuck in Tangiers with a broken tuk-tuk and two thieves. I'm wanted for murder. Nazis have half of Archimedes' dial and your father's notebooks. I have a copy. Dad's notebooks. You know, I made a copy. Where? You memorized five notebooks? Seven. And of course not. Half of them were dull as dishwater. And just really the important bits. Yes, I'm going to cut open your brain and find all your secrets. You you really capture that Harrison Ford energy. Yeah. <laughs> Can you do a bit less acting? Hold I'll on, try. let me find my joint. <laughs> he, he's okay. a real potheed. <laughs> so wait, isn't the term dishwater? I've never heard ditchwater before. I, I suspect whoever entered that in wasn't yes, listening. I don't ear. think I've ever heard ditchwater. No, yeah. and um, wait. I, uh, it, it just reminds me of all these bad automatic subtitles that are just in everything. I, because that was the capture when I was watching on Disney Plus. Huh? Disney Plus, where your captions. I was, I was watching a movie where it, it had a song in Latin, and the automatic subtitles were something, 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 something. <laughs> Well, what's always what always like like sucks is like when you're watching a movie and like somebody says something that isn't English and the subtitle is like foreign gibberish, yeah. which really sucks when it's oh. the actual language. 
Right. When it like, says, like, bring yeah. in Turkish. Like, like, I get it. Like, for thematic reasons, maybe you don't want the audience to know exactly what the person in the background is saying, or it's not essential. But you could, you could say, yeah, you could say mutters in Turkish. That would be great. But, like, foreign gibberish. Mm. <laughs> That's awful. I know, foreign right? gibberish is... Chattering is another one. Yeah, or what the 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 sound effects? I think my favorite was Mandalorian season two. There's an alien called Frog Lady, and she is being chased and screams, and it said Frog Lady noises. (laughs) That's the subtitle. I'm like, that's pretty good. That's actually an effect. I I would love it if just once, like when there are just people muttering, the subtitle was just rhubarb and custard. Yes, or what is it? I am eating peanut butter. It used to be the one. Oh yeah, <laughs> Mr. Red. And uh, theater thing. Okay, cool. All right, so that is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. You're my sure was. Destiny. Yep. A lot of destinies, a lot of dials. Um, Indy, I miss the sting of briny water in my face. I love adventure. Please take me. Take oh yeah, me. they really played that clip in the trailers a lot. For yeah. like someone who's barely in the movie, right. I want adventure. It's a in damn great wide somewhere. There's John? um and some on some from... podcasts they they talked to John Reese Davies at the premiere because they had a few minutes, but then at the end John Reese Davies wants to wrap it up and it's always kind of an awkward moment, just kind of almost like a, a first date sort of thing where mm-hmm. you're doing the interview and people have to get going. He's like, "All right, that's enough." <laughs> is it talking? Goodbye. He strikes yeah, me as the type of person who would just say goodbye and walk away from them. I, I, it's sort of, yeah, you get that. And not that he didn't want to do the interview and all these things, but it was just the way it, I'm a little bit surprised they kept that in. But uh, it, you know, it, there's a few awkward pauses in there where it feels like, okay, there's things he'd rather be, he'd rather uh, take a little nap in the hotel room or something. He's like, that's enough, Indiana. That's enough Salah for today. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> You've had enough. I'm cutting you off, Mr. Mallory. I've got to check the horse races. Yes, Put it all that. on Papa's mustache in the third. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, on my phone, I have both Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> so, okay. I'm going to charge my Blackberry. <laughs> For uh, Sequel Cast 2 and Friends, this is Matt. <laughs> this is Thrasher. This is Alex. Zane. It's Moon Day. Everyone knows Moon Day. I think right. it's Moon Day every day when I get out of the shower and see my reflection in the mirror. That, no, that's almost sounding like a Jack Nicholson. Do you uh, walk out of the shower backwards with your head turned? <laughs> Indiana Jones does every time. They cut that. It's in the deleted scene.